What is art? And what happened to the Christian arts? We used to do movies like The Robe and The Ten Commandments. Now, Christian movies look something like this. Hey, Scotty. Jesus, man. Christians aren't the only ones to have diverted from a more objective understanding of what art is. And we've actually watched the whole culture turn in that direction. What is art, though? Let's ask that question and answer it as we watch our culture stray from objective art further every day. Howdy. Jonathan Fiala for Further Every Day, sitting in the chair of philosophy and the chair of host. To my right, I've got uh, CJ once again in the chair of theology. How's it going, sir? It's going very well. I really appreciate the opportunity. I kind of consider myself like a guest of the the host panel, so it's really awesome to be a part of. And I have no clue yeah. how I'm going to be able to contribute to this conversation about I art. Think but, you will. You know, I think you will. I think you will. It's, it's good to be here. I have confidence in you, and I think we're, we're going to have some really good stuff to pull out today from the Bible. Uh, with that said, to my left, I've got Miss Nikki. How's it going? <laughs> I had to think there. I know. <laughs> it's good. Everything's good. How are you? I'm doing all right. You saw that little Windows uh, circular processing bar going for yeah. a second there. Yeah. Uh, it's been a long day already. Long week. Uh, over to her left, we've got the Steve Johnson. How's it going? Man. I am doing fantastic. I have today. never seen anyone Dan, drop I, a I, phone I, so quickly. At this time, we ask everyone to please put your phones on vibrate. I don't know what happened there, and I didn't even have my tinfoil hat ready for this series, man. Well, you're going to have to wrap I that phone in the tinfoil hat. He was like, quick Ooh, draw McGraw there. I have to... You know, I was, watching, I was watching just yesterday or two days ago, I saw a clip of, of the world's fastest uh, quick draw. The guy goes pulls it out, accurately hits the target, the small target, and then puts back in his holster. And three, two, one, ba-bam! And it was done. And I was like, oh my gosh, that was amazing. Steve almost did that. Moving to his left, we got Charlie. How's it going? <laughs> Doing great, Man, thank I'm you. Have to practice. That was a long lead-in for the chair of economics, but <laughs> no, that's all right. <laughs> We're here. So let's go ahead and talk about it. First, let's define art. And so I want to start off with uh, the Merriam-Webster's definition, and then we're going to go back just a few years to how it was defined in 1828. What are you two laughing at? You're laughing at quick draw? 1828. <laughs> just a few years. Just a few years. Just, just a few. Just a few years. Well, in the grand scheme of things. 196 years ago. In the grand scheme of things, that, that that's about halfway through the era of what language usually lasts, right? About uh, two or three decades and before language is fundamentally altered at its roots, so a few years ago. <laughs> Going over to the current definition of art from Merriam-Webster. The conscious use of skill and creative imagination, especially in the production of aesthetic objects. Okay, the production of aesthetic objects. These are, think grammar, subject, object, and something that has been created is the object. That can be anything from a painting, statue, piece of poetry, music, uh, electronic art. It can be any of those things. Now, let's go back to 1828, just because that, that really is, that's your official definition. Well, the reason Mr. Yeah. Charlie's saying that is because you look back a few years and you can see before a lot of these words have become conflated, English is kind of getting more and more diluted. You have a stronger definition in the 1828. For sure. Uh, a system of rules serving to facilitate the performance of certain actions opposed to science or to speculative principles as the art of building or engraving. Arts are divided into useful or mechanic 
and liberal or polite. The mechanic arts are those in which the hands and body are more concerned than the mind, as in making clothes and utensils. These art are called trades. The liberal or polite arts are those in which the mind or imagination is chiefly concerned, as poetry, music, and painting. Hmm. So keep reading. In America, in America, literature and the elegant arts must grow up side by side with the coarser plants of daily necessity. Okay, so let's break that down for just a moment. And we talked about this right before we got we got on because this is what I take out of it, and I want y'all to tell me what you what you think about this. But I see in the difference you have the creation of aesthetic objects, the, the imagination to create aesthetic objects, right? And then you have in the other, you have a comparison between the art of woodwork, of steelwork, which have objective attributes. There is an objectively correct way to temper steel, okay? In a certain context, in a certain set of rules, certain set of materials, a certain time frame, right? Technologically, there's a way to do that. The liberal arts... In the same way, we're held up. There is a way to do objective beauty in a painting. Poetry, rhyme, meter, rhythm. These are all things that must be considered when you're writing poetry. When you're doing music, melody, harmony, rhythm, percussion, you know, and bass, though, and not necessarily in that order, but close to, there are concepts that are a science, if you will, within that art. And the artist is expressing themselves within the structure of that science. Whereas today, it's something that is, quote, an aesthetic object, an object of aesthetic beauty. So what differences do y'all see just off the hand from, say, a painting in 1828 versus what you would go down to the Houston Art Museum and see from a modern creator, if I can use that term loosely, uh, in the Art Museum in Houston. What do you see the difference in the structure and the value to objectivity as far as what is beautiful structure? <laughs> modern art versus 1800s. Well, to be completely transparent, when I think of modern art, honestly what I think about is chaos. Because the splash of painting along the 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 splash of paint on the on the canvas and there's really no boundaries. There's no boundaries. There's no borders. There's no image. Is that open borders? It is. <laughs> there you go. Okay. <laughs> just um, and it's not just related Penance. to painting. It's, it's. I mean, look at look at some of the art that you would go and you know these random holes stuck together in weird ways and, and oh look at that and, and then you have these people that go in and they look and they say oh well, do you see the passion that they have as they built and I'm sitting there going what I mean my five year old could do that now I'm not trying to put someone down someone down but if you're asking me the difference between the art that was done in a way to create to spur people to think to spur people to beauty, to spur people to relaxation versus the modern art that we tend to see today, I see a tra- I see an evolution to chaos. Pull up some modern art, Mr. Producer. Just 
pull it up and just type in modern art in the search engine while we're going around. And we're going to we're going to compare this, compare this to say something like the Mona Lisa or to Rembrandt. And to be fair, there's probably some modern art that's really very well done, very but it's never underneath that monkier. It's always underneath the style or discipline of something else. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Uh, so I'm seeing is that is that modern art? Did you type in modern art? Okay. So let's go ahead and look at some of this. So go ahead and and, and take that right there and scroll down for us. So some of this we see is Picasso esque, but some of this is just like what is pot- the, what is the orange and the blue? Yeah, yeah. Like, like that's just a gradation, and there's not much going on there. You look to the left. Go ahead and click on the image to the left of the of the of the purple and orange thing. We got no boundaries, no borders. Do 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 you see that uh, uh, the the purple and orange thing on the on the uh, search engine, the statue or the person that's there? Make that larger. Can you do it for me? Okay, like okay. So this is an impressionist, but here's the thing: how much skill does it take to draw that versus a Mona Lisa? Mm. Or one of the Baroque paintings. Correct. Mm. Think think Washington. I, Correct. I don't. I wouldn't say that the skill level I is equal some, at all. I got some. But art paintings like right this. Here. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Very good. It's a stick figure for those of you who can't okay. see. Well, well, it's. Um, He's got a tinfoil hat on. Uh, I was going say you well, brought your tinfoil hat. Well, yeah, and see if you can I zoom in on that, Mr. Producer. Where I'm picking my nose. Okay, yeah, it's good. <laughs> so, we can see. It. <laughs> You know, and, <laughs> hey, and, and this is modern art. Hey, Steve, um, Steve. It's, I, I got it on. Uh, it's the no, no, know, no. it's that, the it's the napkin in the foil. Yeah. It's called the napkin in the foil, and it's worth one point five million dollars. It's been appraised just now by yours truly. Yes. It's worth one point five million dollars. <laughs> it's it, yeah, it's right. better than uh, Biden's stuff. So, yeah, Biden, Biden Jr. Yes. <laughs> it's not Biden S. You picked a low Johnson-esque. bar there, sir. Don't do not do that to yourself. I just yeah. appraised at $1.5 million. You know, he's selling he's it for got, 500 He's got feet, too, and a tinfoil hat. So, so, point being made here is what what's the difference? So, like, if you listen to, like, so let me be hyper-polarizing here. Let's take Cardi B. Cardi B, there's a lot of people who are going to say Cardi B's music is not music, and it's very it's very insulting, it's very direct, it's, it's crass, there's not a lot to it. How many people have you heard say that about Beethoven, Mozart, Handel? Mm-hmm. I, I, I dare say, a lot of people say it's stuffy, right? They might call they, it boring. They might think it's boring. But who here would say that it was ill-composed? I, I dare you to find anyone in a... There's no one in their right mind who's being genuine who would ever say that those are ill-composed. Take right. John Williams. Just, just, just. It's not about old. Take John Williams or Hans Zimmer. No one is going to ever say that Hans Zimmer was poorly written. Look, you can talk about ACDC. You can talk about a lot of these guys. They are well. There are people who are putting together material that is good that we don't agree with that maybe has satanic overtones, like Black Sabbath. A lot of these other people they do have good well-written structured orchestration behind them acdc so yeah hey they they, they did eagles they did write some good stuff wrote i don't like it good stuff but Eagle. i gotta say from, I, let's let's use a little better example there because i I would, I, I would disagree I with some of those eagles but 
Doobie when you talk about a group you know. like Pentatonix, sure, that that's Objectively our and, and there's yeah and, and let me be clear, <laughs> I don't condone the lifestyles, the lifestyles and whatnot, but that's true art. In in my opinion, so, if you're going to really objectively look at this, their creativity with what they can do with their voices and everything. Tell me, uh, tell me a group of people or a person who's been able to mimic that to do that. They haven't. When you look at Mozart and Beethoven and Handel and in in Brahm and all of those, there are no composers that have rivaled that. There's none. I would Absolutely actually say none. I would I, I would say people like Hans Zimmer and John Williams yeah. are the contemporary. John Sorry. Williams is good, but the you're, point is is that you're you're dealing with people who have a rhyme and reason to what they're doing. Well, and, and where, where, where I'm going with that is this. And, and so there's there's room for subjectivity and preferences in orchestration. And then I'm going to get to Miss Nikki. I was just going to tell you that when you talk with Charlie, you must remember he was a music major in high school. So I know. I know. He's Strongly opinionated. Strongly and for opinionated. those of you that are out there disagreeing with me right now, shame on you. So... All of that to say, I disagreed with him a lot growing up. Just you know. all of that to say, <laughs> what is the difference? What is the difference between so one set of artists, yep, and the other? And I, I'm 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 going to say there's something that makes art objectively beautiful. And I'm glad you asked that question because I was actually going to say something before you asked it, as I was thinking about clarifying my earlier statement, and that is this: one requires skill and vision right the the creator the artist has a picture that they're trying to get to and they continually work until they get to the picture whereas one just says this is my emotion this is my feeling yes right without 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 an end goal let's let's go ahead and actually hone that a little bit in because I, I and, and I want to get everyone else to kind of come in, but before we do, I want to set the tone a little bit more, and then we'll start with Steve. But I want to go ahead and get going with Jordan Peterson, and he lays out what his opinion for the first minute and a half, two minutes of this. He lays out his opinion of the difference between art and propaganda, and what the role of an artist is in a culture. And I think that that's going to be really important for us because this, this is part of a three part series on art, culture, and whatnot. Let's go ahead and. Uh, Roll that clip, Mr. Producer. Oh, it's an appalling ideology because the people who created it had the idea Frozen. of what it should be before they made it. So it's propaganda. He's talking about Frozen. You can say exactly what Frozen is about. So it's propaganda. A, a truly mythologically based story, you can never fully say what it's about. You can just talk about it forever and ever and ever and ever. So it's, it's a wellspring of meaning. So... Oh, sure they are. Of course that's what they're doing. Oh, yeah, it's calculated marketing. Yeah. Yeah, sure. It was hyper-politically correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Put they down didn't the drink, doctor. Bannon. You know, God, give me a break. You know, just because you need men doesn't mean you have to like them. <laughs> yeah, so, so, I mean, I've thought a lot about the difference between propaganda and art. So, art's actually a process rather than an end product. 
And with any luck, if you have a piece of art, the process is embedded in the byproduct. Wow. And so it reflects the process when you bring it into your house. Wow, that's and good. And so it's an active, it's a, it's a crystallized act of exploration. And the real artist doesn't know what they're doing. They don't know what they're doing. They're exploring. I can, I can recommend a film. There's a film made of Picasso in about 1957. And it, it was a black and white film. And it was actually a film of him making a painting. And he painted it on glass so you could see what he was doing. It's really quite fascinating because you can see that he's playing. He sketches it in and then he rubs it out. So then he sketches it in again and he rubs it out and he sketches over here. And it's like there's a real dynamism about it. He doesn't plan it out to begin with. Not that there's necessarily anything wrong with that as an artistic endeavor too. But Picasso was trying to explore and understand. And, you know, I don't know what you know about cubism, but cubism, it's a strange thing, but what he was doing with his cubism was to try to show you that you only see things from one perspective but that things exist in multiple perspectives so you know a cubist painting is your face this way and your face this way at the same time and so you could say well is that a more accurate way of, of representing a person than just the standard portrait and Picasso would say well in some ways definitely because it captures the transformative element rather than the static element and so Someone who's a true artist doesn't have a political message. That's funny because my house is full of ideological propaganda from the Soviet Union. It's just packed full of it. And it's so interesting to, to watch these artifacts because a lot of them were, they're socialist realist, although mostly they're impressionist, really. It's so interesting to watch them because in the painting themselves, there's a war that you can perceive. And the war is, a lot of the people who made these paintings were incredibly talented really really skilled because the Russians kept their their formal academies open so the Russians can really paint impressionism it's remarkable but their talents were encapsulated within this but mostly Stalinist ideology and so in each canvas there's this war between the ideological message and the artistic message and what's so cool is the farther we get away from the Soviet Union the more the art wins because in 300 years there isn't going to be a shred left of that ideology and all that will be left of the paintings is the art. Mm. So, so wow. thank you, Mr. Producer. So, of, I, I actually want to read something from C.S. Lewis. And so, if 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 you've ever read The Great Divorce, who in here has read The Great Divorce? Okay, so uh, it, it, it's sure. and, and Mr. Charlie's heard me talking his to ear stay off. Away from that. No, 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 no. no, it's no a, I, I, it's I know, a, I know. So, I know. The Great Divorce is an allegory of heaven and hell. And Lewis mm -hmm. starts off by saying, this is not an accurate representation of heaven and hell, but I want to toy, the artist, he wanted to play with the idea of what could happen if peop, if souls in hell had access to heaven anytime they wanted to, if they could just walk into heaven. And so he has this mythological boundary line where at the very shores of heaven, there's a tour bus that always leaves and comes back, goes back to hell. And every time they, the tour bus comes, people get out, they touch the, the, the heavenly soil, they look around, and they go back to the bus, ultimately deciding for hell over heaven. Mm. And one of the conversations that is laid out there is the one with the artist. And the artist, it, there's a really good little 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 t tease out here. And then, Steve, I'm, I'm coming to you shortly after this, but I want to lay this out. This this conversation with the artist plays out interestingly, and I think it, it Lewis really encapsulates what art ought to be here. Mm. So the artist. The painter 
is speaking with a soul who was his loved one here on earth. And he says, when you painted on earth, the guy says, will I be able to paint the country? And the, and the, and the, the saint who's come to the edge of heaven to bring this painter out of hell, he says, when you paint, you know, you're not going to be able to paint in heaven. There's nothing left to paint. Everything that you see is really real. Everything that you see is already done. It's already explored. When you paint, quote, when you painted on earth, at least in your earlier days, it was because you caught glimpses of heaven in the earthly landscape. The success of your painting was that it enabled others to see the glimpses too. But here you are having the thing itself. It is from here that the messages to you on earth came. When we do art, it is something that is expressing something that is it's expressing the immaterials, the logic, the rhyme, the reason, the love, the poetry, the symmetry that exists outside of this world. When it's true art, there is something that mirrors and mimics heaven in its own way when it's done through the lens of mm. truth and it's mm. done correctly. Uh, the conversation continues later. He says, if you are interested in the country only for the sake of painting it, you'll never learn to see the country. Ultimately, the painter and the story, spoilers, gets back on the bus and ultimately refuses God one more time, as he will for the rest of eternity. Why do I bring that up? What is art? Art in its purpose and its form is not only to glorify God, but also to give people, as, as, as a part of that, it's to give people on earth a glimpse through the gift that God gave you of what is to come. There is a beauty, there is something that is captured in art, because God himself is an artist, and we're going to talk about that more in a little bit, but there's something that's captured with the artist. Steve, I know you had something you wanted to jump into. Yeah, and you know what I was going to talk about was the fact that I'm not a an an artist in the form of say like painting or music, and not really gifted in those areas. I'm gifted more in the the mechanic side of of the arts in 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 terms of the ability and certain types of trades you know i can i can build things uh i'm gifted in uh martial arts uh, and so these the these items that i'm gifted in are different than say what they talk about in the newer Merriam-Webster where they get away from talking about yeah. the trades of the types of arts. They have a tendency to go towards more of the liberal side of the art and discuss that more, whereas, say, in the 1828, they do talk about the trades where that is very important. Yeah. in the arts because you have I'm going to tell you something if you've never stood behind a welding hood and watched somebody weld I'm going to tell you something guys that are really good mm. it is an art yes to I be would able agree. to do especially if you can heliarch yeah various types of metals other than carbon 
there's an art to it. And I tell you what, these guys are good at what they do. Well, and, and I think when you're talking about that, it made me think of the Old Testament when they were getting ready to build the tabernacle that God called all the craftsmen yes. to be part of it. And so Exodus 35, 33, yeah. uh, 31 through 33. So it, it, it's very, a craftsman is very, very important. I love to, and I know I don't want to get off too far, but we we are talking about trades. If you go into some of the older homes that were built before machines, oh, my goodness, and people put their heart into just the woodwork. Yes. So when we were in um, Austria and we were at a castle, this this king at the time was very self-indulgent but he wanted all this craft wherever his eyes landed he wanted artwork but it was interesting it took two years to build the bed because of the woodworking that went into making this bed frame it was incredible which king was this Oh, don't ask that. <laughs> well, he was murdered by his people because he was so self-indulgent that he was <laughs> he was taking all the money for himself and not providing. This is in for, Austria. You're going to have to provide the the link to that. Oh, it but was the the Disney castle is um is made uh, the image of on, it is made off of that. this okay. castle. Yeah, Notre Dame. Oh man. Oh wow. So, I mean, if you think yeah. the Christians stop making beautiful art. Let's go to let's go to that yeah. question because you look at Notre Dame, you look at cathedrals. Don't even look at cathedrals. Look at ch- little churches that were built uh, just sixty, hundred years ago. What do those look like? Right. I, I mean, you, you, there's a I can't remember the church in D.C., but I mean, the I believe I I think they call it the Church of the Presidents. Uh, that caught on uh-huh. fire here just a couple yeah. of years ago. But, I mean, that was a... It was lit on fire by Antifa. Lit, but, yeah. but yeah. Yeah, but the the point being, like, I mean, that was... That's a... Mm-hmm. That's Beauty. a work of art, right? I mean, that's, that's incredible. How did we go... How did we go from that to these so, modern monolithic concrete blocks that do not look... But beautiful. John Arthur, we're Americans. And 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 I don't mean this In America, we to, have some beautiful churches. We have some beautiful things, but go to Europe. That's the old country. I know. And the old traditions, and they've held on to them. And America, I mean, we're only a few hundred years old and we don't have We we have beautiful things, but we don't have that history. I disagree entirely with you, and here's okay. why. Look at the Empire State Building. Look at most of the older buildings in New York, Chicago, and St. Louis. I was going to say New York have, and Chicago especially. You have huge, beautiful skyscrapers. And what we've exchanged it for are these soulless glass blocks. What changed? And I, 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 I think that there was something that changed. And when did all of that start to shift? In the 50s, the 60s, and the 70s. Well, Almost when we started to throw out God out of the equation. Yeah. Go yeah. into some of these small Texas towns that were founded by a lot of Germans. Yes. And you look at the outside yes. of their home, it looks plain. But you go into the inside and you see the woodwork. Yes. Uh, it's incredible. A friend of it mine is. that lives in Marlin, Texas lives in one of these types of homes 
the woodwork on the inside is unreal. So I don't know if y'all smell where we're going yet, but the further you go from God as a culture, the less objectivity you will view in your art. So we can go, if we want to talk about music... Yes. When did the real change in music happen was in the 1950s 60s. and 60s. Yes. Yeah. Yes. The day I mean, the music died. Yep. American Pie. That is an incredible song by the oh, way. Oh yeah. my gosh, yes. yes like it is. the 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 importance unreal song. But the, in in the music with the Beatles, I mean, they were just considered outrageous. Elvis Presley was considered outrageous. Um I can't remember some of the other ones, but when the rock music came in, it did not follow, quote-unquote, the rules of music. Especially the 70s. So, Man. And it was based on rebellion. A lot of it was based on rebellion. The Beatles were Deconstructionism. About, that's correct. Deconstructing the Judeo-Christian values. Mm-hmm. And when you, when you have that left over, all you have left is... Nothing. W-A-P, right? Mm. Wet bleep bleep. And you've got uh, uh, what's her name? She 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 said, uh, "I don't give a blank because I'm the fart." Uh, that was literally just uh, is Ice Spice, I think, is her what, name. What about all of these this rap stuff that talks? Ice about Spice that? is like is is partially uh, rap. I mean, it, it's all just so it, know, garbage, man. I, I think you know if you we talked about this earlier. You go back to Genesis. In the beginning, God created, and he created man in his image, and he created man with the ability to create, not as God created, but he gave man the ability to think about things that did not exist on the earth that he could go out and he could create. What's in the heart comes out the mouth. We could also say it comes out in our actions. And so when you think about it, yeah, if you are abiding in the relationship with the Lord, he has a desire for each and every one of us to accomplish something. And it may be something of artistic need or necessity, something creative. And he will indwell us with the spirit and and guide us in the way to create these things in such a way that brings back glory and honor to him. Whereas when you when you separate yourself mm-hmm. from him, then what do you do? You create something that brings glory and honor to you. Let me let me. Uh, I don't entirely disagree with that, but let me flip it on its head just a little bit and see what you think. I want to get your thought on this. I would actually argue that it's it's almost the the inverse inverse uh, cause and effect. When you detach yourself from God, you are no longer looking for the beauty. You, you, you look at uh, Faraday, Newton, uh, uh, Copernicus, Galileo. These people, these scientists, the art of science, were looking for structure. They were looking, yeah, they were for, looking for rhyme for and reason. Yeah. They were looking for God in what they did. You look at Michelangelo. You look at some of the Baroque painters— you look at some of these other folks who were focused on God. They were searching to understand and to 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 mimic what mm-hmm. God has brought out, not what was going on in the mind, not the human perspective like cubism, 
right? It, they weren't focused on things like that. They were focused on how can I recreate or or try to try to imagine the heavenlies? How can I recreate beauty? How can I create something that looks like heaven? They're searching for that. So when you decouple yourself from God, you might have skill and talent and all these other things, but what you start to show is your own inadequacies and your frailties. God is a God of order, structure, and balance. Yep. Yes. Yep. In That's addition, well said. In addition to art. And, well, and well, all of no, that no, is, no, 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 no. Art is part art of it. is encompassed it's in that. all there's, part of it. There's order, there's structure, there's balance. Correct. Yep. And what you see when you de- detach yourself, chaos. Yes. You go back to one of the podcasts we did a few weeks ago when we talked about vision and perishing and what, what perishing meant and what was it? It's chaos when there is no end goal in mm-hmm. mind. There's no vision of what you're trying, where you're trying to go, what you're trying to accomplish. There's chaos. And I think in today's day in society, when you detach yourself from, from God, you create chaos. So from the biblical standpoint, just to kind of reinforce, reinforce what we're going with here, you, you you look there's art in the Bible and there and God mm. is a God of art, he's a God of reason, he's got an order. And you look in Exodus twenty eight three says that our art is for his glory. Correct. Right? What else is said in the Bible about about art? Well, I I love the fact that you know, the Bible talks about in Isaiah we are the clay and he is the potter. Isaiah sixty four eight, right? Um, Paul, Paul says this multiple times. Where, you know, in First Corinthians he says, "I die daily." What is he saying? I'm dying to the image of myself to become the image of God, because he wants God to live in him, right? I mean, he's that's that's the point. Is I'm, I want myself to die. I want God to be seen in me. And I think that's important. That that's important because, or I think that's art, from the standpoint of you're you're letting God do something in you and of you, and through you, and you recognize you have to get rid of something in order for that to happen. Correct. And you keep going in the Bible. You'll see in Ecclesiastes three eleven, you see that God. T- made everything beautiful in its time. He made everything perfect. He made everything so that it was right. Seasons, yeah. and, and there was something that it's done in a way that was beyond human comprehension and understanding. You go to Psalm 19, uh, 1, says the heavens do what? Declare, declare the, the glory, glory yep. of the Lord. They declare his power, his artistry, his workmanship. Philippians 4a tells us to focus on what? Whatever True, right, right, beautiful, true. and beautiful. What do those? What do all of those have in common? God is a God of aesthetics, of beauty, of mm-hmm. order, of structure, mm-hmm. balance. I mean, it is throughout all of Scripture. Uh, when you look at the tabernacle, I mean, the the specifics there. When you look at the ark, the ark was one of the best. Created things. Exodus thirty five thirty one yeah. thirty three details the ones who were who were set up to do the tabernacle. And you go further, they built the ark. Second Chronicles two thirteen mm-hmm. through fourteen details the people who were building the temple. And you know the temple 
to me is probably it's got to be one of the greatest masterpieces on earth because why it was a mimicking of what is in heaven which it it can't match it but it gives you a taste of it that that's it had to incredible. be specific and yeah. it had to be exact and it had to be detailed and it required I mean, think about how they had to make colors back then. Yeah, you had to d- crush animals or or crustaceans. I mean that that alone, and the time that it would take to build that stuff, the temple of God. You know, when Solomon built the temple, right? I mean, that was years in the huge making. undertaking. Absolutely, and then of course in Colossians uh, three twenty three, it admonishes to do all things. All things as under the Lord. Mm-hmm. So, so here's a what question. does God say about that? Let me, go ahead. Let me jump in because this kind of doing the prison ministry that I did uh, for for the number of years that I did. I had one of the guys uh, ask me one day about you know heavy metal, the music now, or the actual, the music. Okay. Yeah, or and when you think player. about heavy metal music and whatnot. Is there anything I, I can't I can't do it. I honestly can't do it. But here's here's a question to pose. Is there the potential that heavy metal music could be artistic and glorify God? Absolutely. And I think the answer to that is yes. I've heard some so th- th- there's actually a really interesting piece I don't like I don't like death metal. I don't be, like heavy metal. Before I but, go don't don't in, go any further uh, just yet. People I did not just sit here and condone you to go out and listen hours upon hours of heavy, heavy metal music. I, I didn't say that. Says says the says the uh, music snob. But there's actually <laughs> someone who who was listening to heavy metal, and it, it, there's actually a really good piece of of poetry in there. Nails in his hands, dead for us. Now the 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 the, the, the died for us, and it goes through. Uh, and, and I'm the one that pierced aside, or something like that, is, is, is the lyrics. But the way it sounds is, of course, heavy metal. Nails in his head. Like it's really, really intense, but they're uh, not my thing. Right. Not, not different yeah. strokes, different folks, right? right. Not, not, not my thing. But like, look, if you're going to listen to something that is like heavy metal, that is an awesome thing to think about. Think about your depravity in the, in the face of Christ's suffering. It's like a really intense, like, it's like really, really, really intense, intense. but it, it, it it's doing the work of God in your heart in that moment. Mm-hmm. Like like you, you're you're thinking, oh my gosh, it's my fault that Christ bled and died. I need to humble myself. So art there there is objective gradations of just like a grade, right? Of what is good structure, what is harmonious. Yes. What is yeah. synchronous, but even what we might think is lesser art, we might give it a lower check mark. In our personal estimation, yeah, doesn't mean that it can't be used. So I would agree. I think. <clears throat> first off, I think you can listen to a song being sung by a secular artist that, if it has the word of God in it, it's powerful enough to save you. And I, I'm firmly convicted on this. Um, the word of if the, if the Bible says that the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two edged sword, then 
it does not matter the vehicle by which the Word of God is delivered. The Word of God is still powerful to Amen. save. God can use all for the glory Amen. of God. So then the question becomes, if you think about artists of the past, they did not accept their first work as their best work. Uh, mm. Uh, mm. Yeah. Mm. It was continued growth. And what is the call to the believer? Sanctification. And so can def you know can someone listen you know heavy metal and someone just gets saved and they're they're a musician they've been singing rock music and whatever and okay now I'm going to use what I know for the glory of God and I'm going to change my lyrics and I'm going to keep doing it. You know, I'm not going to be the one that judges that person and say, "Man, I can't believe that you just got saved. What are you still doing this for?" What I am going to say is, "Are you walking with the Lord? Are you, are you growing in him?" Because I think what you will find in continued growth is a continued falling apart. I think it was Michelangelo that was, that was doing an image. Mm -hmm. He was sculpting an image and someone said, yep, right. Yep. And someone said, how are you so good at this? And Michelangelo responded by saying, I chip away the things that do not look like what I am trying to create. And I think as Christians, that's the mindset we have to have is, Lord, what are you trying to create? Chip away the things that don't look like you. And so that's what—I I think it's a great insight into what the artist yes. himself should be doing with self-reflection. Mm-hmm. We need to make sure that when we are trying to create art, we're focused on what—on the source of that art. And I, I really do agree with C.S. Lewis's uh, assumptive truth in The Great Divorce. When we do our best artwork, it's because we're seeking after that which is beyond. And by the way, non-Christians can be seeking for that and be blessed in that way. That does happen, but it's because they're seeking after that thing. They may or may not eventually change their heart or mind to it, but they're seeking for that higher plane of understanding. Great uh, local reference to this, um, and I'm, I can't believe I'm forgetting his name, but the, the gentleman that wrote The Case for Faith, great writer, right? He wanted to use his skill to make the, just, the argument that God is not real, that faith is not required, and as he goes through the process of seeking out the truth, he finds out, oh, wait a second, God is real. God loves me. Here's why. I believe that was Jay Warner Wallace. Case, the case for, Christ? for Christ. Thank you. Yeah. Case for no, okay. Lee Strobel. So yeah, that would that would be Lee Strobel. So from the philosophical side of things, with these scriptures in mind, how should we as Christians go about doing our art, consuming our art? And if our art doesn't reflect excellence, what might be wrong inside of us? Let's start off with the first question. How should we, as Christians, go about art? What should be our focus and our drive? Well, I think you mentioned it earlier when, when we said, you know, Colossians 3.23 is a verse that I, I tend to try and live my life by. Whatsoever your hand finds to do, do as to the Lord and not unto men. And God has gifted each person uniquely some with more creative imagination and creative uh, ability than others. Uh, 
whatever God has given you in that creative mind, you are to go out there and you are to put things together. And you know what? It doesn't necessarily need to be, oh, look at this great master work that I did and it's about the cross and everything. No, it can it can simply be a painting or or music or building and manufacturing, right? Whatever it is that you're doing that requires the creative mind. For me, I do process flows for work. That requires a creative uh, a creative bend in my in, in my work, right? And so I have to sit there and I have to work really hard at it and I have to think to myself at the end of the day when someone consumes this, this is for work. There's no Bible on it. There's no scripture on it. There's no purpose of Christ in it other than the fact that when it's all said and done, I want someone to say, oh, wow, that's really good. That's really what what my end goal is. Approved workmen are not ashamed. We, we in America, I would say that we live in an innovative type of uh, culture, country, and I know that there's been real concern about um, not rewarding that. Um, everybody gets the trophy. Yep. Well, as a Christian, I think, you know, taking on the mind of Christ, I think you're always striving to do better. And I and I know that Rai Rai over there loves to sing. That's just something inside of him, and that's his gift, and that's what God called him to do. I love to be creative in crafts or things of that nature. Um, but I think inside all of us, we have a nature to create in one way or, or another, to analyze, to um, just move forward mentally. I think that the Lord has created us all, that you don't ever arrive, but you're always striving to learn and to grow. And that's going to come in different ways. There are, I mean, there's some beautiful um, artwork out there. There's some beautiful music out there. There's all kinds of things. And I think as a Christian, we should be the ones dominating in those ways because God created us with a plan, a purpose, and a path. We are never to sit back and say, okay, this is all I'm going to do for life. I think always there's a challenge moving forward. So I just got this from Ryan, and 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 to your point, actually, this, this actually connects perfectly with, with what you were saying. Ryan asked, in Colossians 3.16, doesn't it say... Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonition, one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? That means that we we've, we have the truth. We should be the kings and queens of art. Yes. We, we should be the ones who are bringing that to the culture. We should be—and Mr. Charlie talked about it last episode when we looked at the Hasbin Hotel. Uh, they had a great musical number in that. We couldn't get too far because Mr. Charlie, I could see his, his face was— <laughs> he had, I haven't like, seen him that red in one. He was about to burst. <laughs> it, was, it was not good. But but I will say the music was well done. Shouldn't oh, it, we, was, it was very appealing. Shouldn't we as Christians—shouldn't we as Christians be dominating that space, like Miss Nikki just said? We as Christians should be dominating the music charts because we've got the source of creativity himself as right. our Savior. We have the source of all truth and knowledge himself as our Savior. And we have the authority and also the mandate to bring that to the world in love and in truth. Shouldn't we, as Christians, 
go about art in a way that we are we are so focused on the end goal, which is the heavenly kingdom and saving as many people, being used by God, a tool in his hand, so that other people could know him better. We want to be the, the reflective truth of God. And as part of that is being true. And I'm, I'm going to say something. The stronger your faith in God combined with strong talent, okay, that, that other part has to be there, noted. If you have a strong, talented, talented artist, all things being equal, the stronger your relationship with Christ will be, the deeper your art will plumb the depths of reality. And what I mean by that is, is when you have shallow Christian movies, shallow Christian songs, that's really, it's nothing other than a cover band with Christians slapped on it, and all of a sudden these people take off because we as Christians consume that. I'm not saying that we shouldn't put down people who make movies that are cheesy. We should grow, you know, we should want them to grow, we should want them to get better. We shouldn't put down young artists. You know, there's... But, but the more you love Christ, the closer you are to him, the deeper you're going to be able to plumb the depths of reality and bring out that truth so people can have a good reflection of what heaven is. You know, I've been seeing some... Here over the past, I'd say, six to ten months, we've been seeing some really good Christian movies that have been coming out. That's They've been, been better that have been put out by an organization called Angel Studios that has really gotten on board and been putting, putting out some... Better you know, than average better, quality. Yes, than average Christian movies that have been coming out. They, they've been getting a lot of traction and a lot of people have been showing up and they've been getting... Instead of just these couple of night things, they've got to where, you know, they're playing for a week or two or whatever at times, and they've got lots of people coming to see them. So, you know, that's a benefit. And I will tell you also that in the 70s, there were a number of different rock and roll groups that had some so-called Christian songs that were out, and they were top of the chart songs that came out truth resonates and but nowadays you don't see too many of these groups oh not the same ones but i wouldn't i'm not going to say christian groups but modern um rock and roll group bands playing christian songs we have a, a lot of popular christian artists um not Christian hey. artists, but Adam, just to my mind too, regular. Producer. So one of the one of the top charters of what, what, when was Fireflies dropped? Twenty eleven, I want to say it was twenty eleven. When Fireflies was dropped, it was the top charter, and and then also Good Time by Adam Young, Owl City. Mm. So was I right? Twenty eleven. Anyway, those two songs were dropped by a guy who consistently slipped in worship songs into his albums. He would just tuck those in. And by the way, that's also a reason why he got blackballed in mm. a lot of ways. How about Elvis Presley? Well, Elvis hey, Presley. Hey, well, I think I'm not going to go talk about his background. You, you don't want to go. Talk about you don't want to go. <laughs> most, most, country, <laughs> most country artists, though, will have a gospel. Yes. Let's, have a gospel I'm not album. talking about Elvis Presley. And we're not talking about 
people's backgrounds. Okay, let's 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 just kind of. Uh, we're not talking one. about their backgrounds. Okay. okay, we're talking about. But he would the sing music it, and it was that popular. Was brought out. He would, he would sing it, and it was popular. And he would sing it, and he brought it out. There's um, a popular group that's called the Doobie Brothers. Man, they had so many songs on the top charts. They also brought out some uh, Christian songs that were brought out top of the chart. I think the motivation, though, you know, was you know, most of that's money. Yes. Because sure. they all know that sure. you know, a, a country artist is going to do Christmas songs at Christmas time because it's going to be. How know. do you reach a market? That you have to feed them what they want. What they want, nope. yeah. And so, and, and that's going to be a question for the chair of economics when we get there. But I'm going to slide over to the chair of culture first because mm-hmm. I, I, I do think Mr. Pomeroy is going to be thinking about that. We've watched the culture value shift mm-hmm. in the last 60, 80 years. We've watched a huge slide. When the values of the culture change, the art comes with it. Mm-hmm. What does that do? I think sometimes the, the art can even influence it. Oh, I think I was going to say, what is the changed art, the new standard for the morality that is portrayed in the art? What does that do to the next generation? Well, we talked about that before. When the, the morality shifts, when there's a shift in there, then the the culture is going to change. Now, the culture today thinks that the changes that we're making are for our benefit. What they don't understand is that there are certain principles that God has laid down that society, family... And country will flourish. And when those principles are rejected, it looks good at first. But then when the generation comes up that has no family, no solid family foundation, no solid moral integrity, then chaos. And you're starting to see that now. Yes. Mm -hmm. Chaos and anarchy are what you're starting to see now, which then becomes the downfall of society. Civilized living as you know it falls. And it's a vicious cycle that's just going to continue to go down because every time you have a generation that shifts the art and the art becomes more edgy, it comes closer to the edge, you reset the cultural homeostasis, if you will. When, 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 when you're dealing with the human body, right, your body hits a homeostasis based on a lot of things. Like, for example, your, your, your temperature. You, your temperature is run by... Two things that are really important and a bunch of others, but your general metabolism and your viral load, right? Your viral load is, well, first off, your metabolism. When I ran a 5K every day, I don't anymore. I know, guys. I'm sorry. But uh, I, I used to look better. But but when I used to run a 5K every day. I, I run away a, from a 5K. I had a 95. <laughs> you and me both. I had a, I had a 95 degree <laughs> core temperature almost every day. It was 95 point something, right? You're metabolism goes down when your homeostasis gets set to that point that's because you have a high metabolism 95 degree core temperature for rudder is not abnormal if i had a 98 it was a fever viral load you guys know that you have MRSA, streptococci flesh-eating bacteria of all sorts in your body today Mm -hmm. right that's another part of your (laughs) homeostasis temperature your homeostasis temperature is regulated based off of that some people they get to a 94 degree core temperature and they pass away because the infection that mm-hmm. they've been fighting kills them. They call that, s- that septic shock. Right. What we're seeing with our culture is the more crap that is in the system, and the lower we as the church allow that temperature to fall, the culture is going to die from sepsis. 
And what happened? Why is that? Because of all the crap that's coming in. I mean, because we're not we're not dealing with you're it. not feeding right, and we're and that's exactly it. So you know, there used to be back in the fifties, sixties, and seventies that was taught in school that how a civilization civilization destroys itself, and you remember they would go back to how the Roman civilization I can't even speak <laughs> civilization how big the Romans were. Yeah. And how powerful they were. And what started happening is, is first they were very, um, had a lot of money, yeah. a lot of comfort. And then they started indulging in sexual uh, pleasures. And how yep. eventually society eroded and they lost. And so that used to be taught. Well, that's not taught anymore because now our idea is... We've arrived. We've got these new ideas. Well, no, you don't have new ideas. They're old ideas. They're old ideas, but you haven't been taught history correctly, so you think you're embracing something new and that you're educating these really backwoods people that they don't know right from wrong and they're just trying to oppress people. It's principles, biblical principles, that keep society functioning. You don't have to be a Christian society. If a man chooses, I am never going to lie. He will become a trustworthy man. He doesn't have to be a Christian. He just has to embrace the principle. Yeah. And that principle is going to bring him a lot of good in his life. And, and before the Romans was chaos. the Greeks, right? Because yep. of the same thing. Yep. And you keep going Sexual back. You actually look at the Assyrians. They're, they're going to say, they're going to point to a lot of the uh, LGBT uh, intelligentsia will point to like the Assyrian gods like Asherah, and say, well, you see, you know, they, yeah. they, they did reference multiple genders. And Matt, people like Matt Walsh, God bless you, Matt Walsh, you're wrong. They, those were referenced back then. And what they did, you know, Matt Walsh says that that's, this has never happened before. No, it's happened every time before yeah. a civilization fell. Babylon. There's a there's a verse, and uh, I don't want to get in trouble. Charlie, you'll have to bail me out if I do. Uh-oh. <laughs> there's a verse in Scripture that says a woman should not wear that which pertaineth unto a man. Now, I know some people teach that a woman should not wear pants. But at the time it was written, both men and women wore robes. They didn't wear pants. I believe that that verse was really referring to a woman wanting to take the role of a man. And it's the same thing. It's the same thing across the board, whether it is you have to let loose there. We're, we're getting unplugged. Sorry, guys. Sorry. But it's the same thing for men. And you actually look at the priests of Asherah, they were they had their uh, members snip snipped unicaid and uh, so that they looked more like women than they looked like men. And again, this is not new. This is not progressive. This is regressive to barbarism and to paganism. But unfortunately, we see our culture starting to glorify that in the arts. Mm-hmm. So as the worldviews diverge, going to the chairs, uh, chair of politics here... As the worldviews diverge, we see both sides of the political sphere beginning to harness artists for propaganda. Mm-hmm. As we watch that play out, if art is a powerful expression of truth and the purpose of art is to express truth, how do we do ourselves a disservice if we stoop to simply trying to push a message as opposed to just creating good art. Well, then art becomes a lie. Mm. Mm. Is what it is. The art 
that they're producing becomes a lie. Because what you end up with is something like that hotel. Has been hotel. Uh, yeah, we talked about been, last episode. Uh, that's the kind of stuff you come out with. Let me l- let me put something in real quick. You also get, hey, Scotty, Jesus, because we failed in the same way. Instead of just focusing on a good story about how and having God in the equation in the story, God in the equation in your mind in the writer's room as you're writing it out, it will come out. Truth will come out if you were trying to excel as an artist. But if you're just so focused on having that, Scotty, Jesus, that too in its own way is a lie because no one talks that way. And your Christianity looks shallow, vapid, and hollow. Yes. Mm-hmm. And you can't buy, and it's it's like, what's his name over here? CJ. CJ. Oh, yeah, CJ. <laughs> <laughs> I always forget guest's name. I don't know why. I, I always call them that... Bob, and then they correct me, and then I say, oh, I'm so sorry, CK. No, I, I remember you. Uh, yeah, I remember your name. Don't worry, CJ. Uh, <laughs> Bob. <laughs> what about but, Bob? But uh, when he was baby. talking about works. When he when it, in the reference to that cartoon, works can't get you into into heaven. I mean, come on, we all know that, especially those that are learned in reading the Bible. Now, there may be others that might believe that, but we know works can't get you into heaven. Mm-hmm. It's only faith. Mm-hmm. Indeed, indeed. So we want to make sure that we're focused on on if we as christians are involved in art we want to make sure that we're focused on representing truth accurately and that will as as uh, jordan peterson says the 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 exploration is infused into the product the exploration of the truth and also so is your worldview you know he didn't articulate this but i'm sure if you asked him this he would mean it you see the not only the 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 exploration and the process of discovery of how truth would 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 how a truthful scenario like this would play out, you see the worldview and you see the values play out. You have good and you have evil. You have conflict with with, with right. what's right and what's wrong, and it all plays out if you are starting from the perspective of how do I write a story that's true? How do I write a song that is beautiful? How do I put that together and how do I build that so that it glorifies God? How do I glimpse into the next world? Mm-hmm. So. And, and then you've got these people that that come out with has been hotel and go, okay, now how can I, as an artist, write this out so that it is all theologically incorrect? Yeah, and prove and and let people know that there's not a God and God is hateful and God is all of this and God is all of that. And I'm going to write off out all of this propaganda and it's all a lie. Yeah. But it, it, you know, it's, let me rewrite the story. Yes. To justify Hmm. my human nature. Revisionist history. Yeah. Yeah. So we have a lot of that. When we see that sort of stuff still going on to the chair of economics, how should we as Christians consume that kind of art, art in general, and how does our consumption of art affect the culture around us? Well, first of all, in terms of how should we consume art, 
I think we need to look for those principles that are that are what I would call acceptable. Are we looking for truth? Are we looking to glorify God? Are we looking to show the the character of God? Or are we just looking to glorify ourselves? Are we looking to self-aggrandize ourselves? That's that's number one. In terms of um, affecting the culture around us, when we allow art that is not glorifying to God, when we allow that to impact us, we will impact the culture around us by taking on the characteristics of a worldly culture. And that in and of itself it is really, it, it does not have a good end. Indeed. Mm-hmm. So final thoughts for the day, because we are at time. Uh, I think... What is art, and what should Christians be doing? Why are we bad at it recently, and how can we improve? I, I think what happens is we lose sight of who, we live, who we're living for as Christians, and the importance of how we do something. Our testimony is not simply, hey, do you know who Jesus is? Our witness is not simply, do you know who Jesus is? Our testimony is everything that we do, everything that we say, the way that we live, the way that we act, that is our testimony. And so when you're at work, whether that's something like I do working an office job or, or maybe you're in the mechanical industry or, or you know, pick your, pick your industry, right? God has given you a creative part to who you are, and he wants you to create. He wants you to use the gift that he's given you and the knowledge that he's given you to create something that even though it might be related to your work— when someone looks at it, they're going to say, wow, there is something different about that product. And I want to know what makes that different. Mm-hmm. So, and I think that, that that falls in very well with what we were talking about earlier. Why, why are Christians bad at art so often? And what, what is art? Well, to understand why they're bad, what is art? Art is a reflection in its true purest form, art is a reflection of that which transcends reality outside to God's realm. When we as Christians are not tight with God and we are not trying to excel ourselves in our art or in our workmanship, we're not going to be accurate reflectors of what we're supposed to be pointing at. If I pour, point at a mirror at the black wall over there in the studio, you would see black. If I pointed that mirror and I focused it on the light, the camera would be seeing a bright light mm-hmm. in its image. What are we doing? Are we focused mm. on where art comes from and what the reflection is supposed to be? Do we focus on that? Or are we merely just languishing really without good question? Aim? Good question. I think if you feel that you have a creative desire to sing and make music, to draw, to paint, to do anything that is in a creative manner. Don't let the culture define you. I think you need to be in tune with how God has made you. 
seek him and do what he's called you to do. Don't worry whether the culture accepts it. Just do it out of obedience. And when you start taking the first step of becoming the person God created you to be, it gets easier each step thereafter. But don't let the culture define you. You don't have to do what culture accepts or doesn't accept. You just do as God leads you to do. And you let the the rest of it in his hands. Amen. Steve? Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd like to say that, you know, everybody has a God-given creative ability. We can call it an ability. We can call it an art. We can call it whatever we want. But it's a God-given gift. And we should all seek those abilities and see where it goes and where it leads us. And we should also thank God or Jesus for that ability on any given time that it's using and show that it is this ability that we're using in your work, how you perform it. That's where y'all were talking about that they look at it and go, wow, that is amazing work that you do. Whether it's singing, playing an instrument, Mm -hmm. welding, uh, building something out of wood, whatever it may be, they go, my gosh, I've never seen something like that. It is a God-given gift. Use it to your strongest ability and show that it is a God-given ability. Amen. Brother Charlie. In the wise words of Dr. Del Tackett, you were created to create. Mm. Amen, Charlie. Mm. You were created to create. Just make sure that what you create lines up with the character of God. Amen. 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 If you enjoyed this episode, like, comment, share, subscribe, all of that good stuff. Uh, thank you for over 200,000 downloads of the audio. Thank you for the uh, YouTube and Rumble views. Uh, with that said, we love you all so much. If you dislike this podcast, slap that dislike button, some multiple of two. And you all have a mighty fine day. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. All right. One last thing. Okay. Favorite <laughs> musician. Uh, I'm I'm going to deviate slightly from this. I'm going Go to I'm going to do a favorite movie, and I'm going to put this plug out there because I really think that if that. you haven't seen it, you need to go see it. Um, we talk about art. Jesus Revolution was a great movie. Mm. I thought it's a good biographical. Um, Greg Laurie is is someone that I I I just have a lot of respect for and 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 love his commitment to evangelism but i thought you know when it comes to art that movie i thought jonathan rumi kelsey Grammer did a did a really good job of taking taking us through that period of time where where greg laurie came to know the lord and then began his his ministry amen amen so uh i would have to say either paul wilbur or paul overstreet i'm kind of hung between the two one's a country artist and the other is a Hebraic Christian musician. Love both. Okay, I'm going to probably shock you here, but my kids aren't shocked because I've said this before. I'm going to go with uh, favorite actor. Okay. And Oh, boy. 
the reason I respect this actor, I haven't seen all the movies, and I wouldn't see all the movies. Some of them are rated R. Aquaman. No. <laughs> no. Please continue. <laughs> that Jason Momoa. And I'm going to say this is because he's a true actor. Is Christian Bale? Christian Bale can play it's great. He's a great so actor. many characters and do it so well and some actors right. are locked into they have to play just one character because yeah. they can't get out of it that bails he, all over the place. yes he's all over the place that's a true actor yeah that's a good one. so right right the newsies, her, I, like batman the newsies. <laughs> I'd, I'd have to say it and it's it's two kind of themes of music i'm i'm really been enjoying uh big daddy weave for his music, his Christian music. And then I've got a, a great rock and roll guy that I've listened to for years, the lead singer for uh, Doobie Brothers, uh, Michael McDonald, who I've loved for years. And he's just, he's a fabulous singer. Plays a piano, man. He's smooth on the keys he really is brother charlie but i know yeah. the answer oh, well goodness. she she thinks she knows Jump. the answer there so she's Purple. expecting me to say karen carpenter uh -huh. and i will say that karen carpenter has the most she has the best voice My dad's of all time there's no there is no doubt about it but if you want to talk and we're talking about art here if you want to talk about somebody that I feel was probably a little more creative. Uh, Keith Green. I knew it. Ooh. I knew it. Keith yeah. Green. I knew it. Back to Egypt. Yeah. I knew it. So he, um, to me, good. he died at too young Al an age. Some people say that was spiritual warfare, but we'll leave that for another podcast. Well, yeah, but I, I'll tell you, if you listen to Keith Green's music, the, the movement is, in the music the is... The patient is so oh, good. It, it is incredible. I, so so talented. I, and the only reason... Groovy. I, I think there's <laughs> cases to be made for others, but yeah. those are... I love Keith Green. Those are mine. Right, right. Producer guy. Spit. Uh, Keith and Christian Keith and Oh, there's... No, you get one, and you already get a couple. He had like four getting. answers here. He, he had four, four again. I, four one out. Musicians. Four, five. I will, uh, I will say, though, the, the, the Keith and Kristen Getty, boy, if you listen to some of their music. Modern Hymns and Christ Alone. Oh, my. Some really good ones. Really good. Really good. Good good choice. So, with that said, tell us in the comment section your I, favorite well, musical artist. Uh, don't deviate. Like, I'm kidding. You can put whatever you want down in the comment section. <laughs> put a couple comments. It helps the algorithm. And hit love subscribe. You. Please hit subscribe and share. Love you. Bye-bye. Yes. Bye-bye.